see if you can okay. join. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, guys, we're here with Fatima Iqbal Saber, and she's running for California State Assembly District 64. If you are in that district, understand that these are the candidates that we need to support. These are the candidates that we need to vote for. Candidates that are actually part of the community. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, when you look at the political system and who's in power, you have Businessman, businessman, lawyer, lawyer, businessman, lawyer, lawyer, cop, businessman, military guy, lawyer, lawyer. Like, where are the academics? Right. You know, where are the teachers? Where are the scientists? Where are, you know, the, the philosophers? Where are these people that, you know, bring a different, uh, a different viewpoint to politics? Where are the waitresses, right? Where are the waitresses, exactly. And it's like, you know, it's, it's time yeah. for government to start actually being represented by working class people. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I think uh, I, I definitely hope to bring facts and science and just like data, like, you know, um, to Sacramento, but also like, yeah, I think being a teacher is really powerful. Actually, my opponent is an ex-cop, right? And so I'm, you know, not, well, I wasn't saying not to call him out, but to call him out, you know, because like that wouldn't, typically mean a lot but he has been taking a lot of police money historically and that's why the recent bill he just passed is just like a superficial reform that really hasn't proven to um show any change in black communities but i think that yeah it is really important to have a variety of working class right all the way from waitresses to teachers to social workers right to people on the ground to activists right um these are really important roles and i think i mean i, I don't know if we're going to talk about this but i think a big part of this is campaign finance reform because I've heard that I've heard the state assembly um, called like a, like a country club right of like rich men, um, which is rich people. It's, it's a very it's a very it's a class divide and it doesn't make sense. Which is why I think it's an oligarchy even at local government because we don't have regular people's interests being represented. And I think that's why one of my main priorities, um, you know, is actually campaign finance reform even before you know Green New Deal and all these other bills. That is slightly below because I feel if we achieve campaign finance reform right? We can start talking about the influence of money in politics, and that affects every agenda item. And so I think we have to start there. Like, at least, like, at least at the state level, for me, that's a priority of mine, getting publicly funded elections, campaign finance reform, so that we can have, like, my students run one day who have lived experiences in Watts, you know, who have come from single homes and families that have come here to seek asylum. Like, those are the voices that we should have. And that's really my biggest motivation. I want my students who are so intelligent um, to be in a system where they can run and lead one day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that it's also important to, to bring people on that have different experiences. So like, for example, you mentioned you were born in, in Dubai, you said, right? right? And you've lived in Canada and you've lived in the U.S. So you have lived experience of, of different cultures, of, of different countries mm -hmm. and of different political systems. Yes. Right. And we were talking about earlier how, you know, when when you're from a country that is a dictatorship and there's oppression, you have that special point of view where you can you can see both sides and understand what needs to be fixed. Right. And you have that special feeling of understanding what it's like to not have the, the, the freedom to, to have free speech, to dissent. And so when you see it under attack here, you have to fight. You have to fight to protect it because 
it's precisely because we don't want this country to become a dictatorship like the countries that we were born in, that we're fighting for freedom of speech, that we're fighting for these things because we don't want this to become a dictatorship. Right. And Trump is absolutely, mm. he, he, that's all he wants is a dictatorship. He's like the biggest fan of dictators. They're amazing to him. He loves them. They're the best, right? And yeah. that's how he looks at it. And that's fucking scary. At yeah. the same time, you have Joe Biden on the Democratic side offering absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no- Like, what a disgrace. Yeah. What a disgrace, you know? And this is why we lost in 2016. Anybody who thinks that we lost in 2016 because of Russia is wrong. We lost because Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate who brought nothing to the table. And now we have Joe Biden offering even less than her. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, but for, for your district, yeah. what do you feel are some of the biggest challenges there? And what solutions do you have to fix those, those challenges? Yeah, that's another loaded question. It's a really good question. Um, yeah, so I, when I started running, I started really looking at the people closest to the pain and seeing how their lives could be better, right? Um, and like one of the big things is housing. Like I remember when I was teaching there, um, I saw students like I would see them and then half the year they wouldn't be there because just of the, the rent rising. Um, and I, they would move to just places that were cheaper. And like then when Watts recently had redevelopment happen, someone just messaged me about it, a, a, a local reporter in Compton, like what, what is my view on that and what's happening? Because people are moving out of Watts and we're going to talk about this even though it's a lot uncomfortable. The black community in Watts has gone, has um, actually gone down because of the gentrification because um, like, and they've been pushed out. That's literally what's been happening. And so yeah, definitely housing is a huge, huge um, issue for me. We know that happens in communities of color. And so like, yeah, I think it's, it's all related to a lot of things, right? I mean, but the main thing is like all this developer money and the influence of like for-profit developers, right? So I think we just need to really go to the community and like look at the community wealth and see what really is affordable housing. Someone's not paying more than 50%, right? For their, for, for their housing. And, and so that's one thing. Housing is really, really important to me. Another thing as a teacher is education. I literally saw firsthand how hard it was to bring resources um to my school and and you know i started the first robotics team and i had to just get type of funding i got zero money from the district and um it's it, it was a, it's a struggle um and whereas other schools like you know who live in wealthy communities can get money from all these ed funds that wealthy parents are contributing to but we don't have these as in black and brown poor communities and so i just definitely want to reallocate wealth and redistribute wealth so that it's it's going to the communities that need it for schools um, I so I had high school students that entered with a third grade reading level, and that's not of no fault of their own. All kids are born, born the same, but it's a fault of the system, right? They didn't have, there wasn't universal high quality pre-K that was really, you know, um, you know, that, you know, we should have state-funded pre-K that's actually just as good as any private pre-K, and we don't have that right now. And so for me, it's education all the way from cradle to like, I think of it like the cradle when the kid is literally born. Till the time you're talking about like a single mom or an adult even having to go back to school and then you bring into like universal childcare because then this is an issue I also saw I heard issues of single moms and single parents trying to go back to school but you know they didn't have childcare and they sometimes made the decision not to because they didn't have childcare so universal childcare is really important to me um, another thing is is definitely um, I mentioned publicly funded elections already campaign finance reform but making sure we have a just transition um, so my district has over 25% of the refineries, has the highest amount of neighborhood drilling in all of LA County. And all these politicians, including my opponent, have been just, you know, pocketing their money even when they're trying, when they're in a primary, it's ridiculous. So I've been trying to call them out as much as I can um, because it is so sad that the communities in my district have been fighting 
um, you know, to be healthy, you know, from all these toxins for so long. And like, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's so immoral that you are making people sick. Like I know, like I literally, like it brings tears to my eyes. There was an image I had when I was canvassing in Wilmington of, I was canvassing and there's a drilling, uh, neighborhood drilling happening right next to this, uh, this house. And the, the door was kind of cracked open and the baby came to the door. And I, what flashed through my mind is that this little baby is going to grow up, have so many health issues, you know, uh, have nosebleeds, have a high risk of cancer. And it's just, it's just immoral. And I keep saying this in interviews, but it's just, I don't get how these politicians sleep at night. I really, really don't because I would be overcome with guilt if I took this money and I would not be able to sleep and I would be so ashamed of myself. And um, it's just, we need to bring morality back. I mean, it's just bringing compassion, morality and love for like love for the working class and love for people back. And that's just missing. Um, so I, I think I, I, I only thing I didn't mention housing, environmental, uh, environmental issues, publicly funded elections and also healthcare. I mean, we're seeing what's happening with COVID and where that's, who that's affecting again is marginalized communities. Trump like should have had the testing be free way early on and even our, our state and see we should have been more on it with free testing but you know we hear of uh, people dying because not able to afford health care and also just having a system right I, I, I listened to the person that developed Bernie's Medicare for all policy and he was saying it's not just about people having health care we also want to talk about nurses and like people on the front lines like not having enough masks and it's because we we are in this capitalistic society where we don't prioritize essential supplies and making those, we prioritize making what sells, right? And, like, and we, can, we can give all of our police officers military gear uh, and, and, and riot shields, and, you know, oh but God. our nurses are having to use trash bags. Yes, and that is, that is the, honestly the effect of capitalism and like the failure of it and what we prioritize, what makes money and we aren't prioritizing the health of our, our frontline workers. And I don't want to forget to mention criminal justice reform because that is just so, such that is such an important issue right now. You know, when I started this campaign, my 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 slogan is "Break the chains of systemic racism," and now it's like a rallying cry. And I didn't know what was gonna. We knew that Black lives were dying and this was happening, but it, that's what I why I said that because we need to just attack this head on and talk about what's happening here. And like we're at a tipping point, right? We can talk like you mentioned this, Emily, very like very eloquently, and and like we can either have these superficial reforms or we can really overhaul the system. And I am frankly sick of politicians that want to get reelected and have these bandied reforms that aren't tested, aren't proven, aren't data-driven, right? When there are other reforms that activists and Black Lives Matter is telling us and you know, Justice for LA has that we should try to implement. Yeah, all reform isn't the same. We have some politicians saying the word reform, but they don't actually mean reform. They mean, let's put a Band-Aid on it and keep doing things the way we've been doing it. We need actual police reform. And that's why people are sick of hearing that word because we've never actually gotten it when we're told it's gonna happen. But that's what we actually need is real police reform. They're, they're handling situations that they're not equipped to handle. Why are police officers dealing with homeless people? Right. Or Send a social worker. Like, you know what I'm saying? Send someone who can actually help. You know, if, if why are police officers dealing with uh, people with mental disabilities? Send, you know, a therapist or a psychologist or like, come on. Right. Yeah, I think one thing, you know, I was, I was, I, I we're getting our new flyers out for the event. I was on a, one of my friends was doing my photos and this, oh my gosh, I'm going to share the story. I'm all about like, people and their experiences and those are the things I really keep in my mind 
to like in, like motivate me and why I'm doing this and like why it's important. So she had graduated. She's from Compton, graduated high school, and she was taking pictures with her family. And um, you know, I, I mean, I won't share the whole conversation because there were so many inspiring parts. But one thing she said really stuck in my mind. And I was just, I told her, oh, I'm a teacher. I, I love that you graduated. I know like that's a huge step. And she's studying civil engineering, which I'm like, oh, we need more minority women in STEM. Like I'm all about that because I was a science teacher. I'm a robotics instructor. And so I said, you know, I told her like, and, and I, I was telling her a little bit of why I was running and, and she, and you know, how things really haven't changed. And she said, you know, I grew up here and I'm witness to that. You don't have to tell me anymore. And that stuck in my mind. The fact that like she knows because she's just going to look around her and see, and the evidence is right there. And I think the young people have to be given so much credit because they're so smart. And I just want to make sure they all vote because they're so smart. They know what's up. And um, they, yeah, so I just wanted to share that, share that story. Yeah. That's a great point. So I'm actually going to share with you guys right now and with you, it's, um, it's maybe a 40 yeah. second clip. Yeah. Um, young man mm. uh, had a gun pulled on him while he, while he ca caused no threat to anybody. So I'm gonna share this with you guys really quick so you can see what I'm seeing. And this is what I'm honestly getting sick and sick and tired of. Let me go here. Okay, so I'm gonna start this uh, from the beginning for you guys. This young man has been pulled over. He's asked if he has a gun in, uh, or any weapons in the car. He says, yeah, I have a registered weapon under my name in the vehicle. Now, keep in mind, you watch him this whole time. His hands are visible. You see his arms. He's not posing any threat to anybody. Watch this. Uh, yeah. This, this is a registered firearm for my name. Smith and Weston. Now, he's just sitting there. Just because you got a firearm in the car, okay, we're just gonna do this the safe way, okay? So, what I need you to do, can you undo your seatbelt for me? Uh, can I call the supervisor, please? What? I would like your well, supervisor. You can talk to him afterwards. Sir, I would like your supervisor. Okay, we're gonna talk to him afterwards. And I, I need, need to do what well, I Can you call him, him on your radio? Huh? Can you call him on your radio? He's not trying to call hey. his supervisor on the radio. I'm okay, okay. I'm a citizen too, bro. Okay. It's like, hey. and, you, and you work for public and safety. You're doing your hey, job. Now what's watch your, this. What's your cause? Hey, what's your cause? What's your cause of stopping me? Is what I want to know. You didn't even give me a cause. You said for your tent. I told you I got that's a ticket. Look, you over, right? okay. you, whoa, okay. whoa, that's she way. She just pulls a gun on him. Are you serious? She just pulls whoa. a gun on him. You were, you were, did you see that? She just pulls a fucking gun on him and points it at him. When he's sitting in the same position he's been sitting yeah. in this whole yeah. time, yeah. he is no threat to anybody. And there's supposedly a rule where before they get to that gun part, their lives are supposed to be in danger, and they're not. I am sick and tired of watching my Latin and Black brothers and sisters go through, and Muslims, and I mean, it's ridiculous. If you are any shade of brown or darker, watch out, watch out. That young man did nothing wrong. He was carrying a legal firearm registered to his name, which is his goddamn right as an American. Meanwhile, I'm watching videos on Twitter of white guys with assault rifles 
standing right next to cops and nothing happens to them. There's a video that was going around on Twitter yesterday of a young man, a, a, a young white man who literally is like punching and shoving the cop, rams his car into the cop's car. I mean, just shit that would get you shot if you were any other race. Oh and still nothing happens to him. This is insane. You know, one of the, I've, I've said in previous episodes that I question the usefulness of the term white privilege because, not because it's not real, but because when you say that it automatically puts the other person on the defensive, yada, yada. But at this point, it's like, dude, if you don't realize that there is a problem with some groups having privilege and others not, like, if you don't like the term, okay, but understand that the reality of it is still real. This is happening. This is happening. As a Latin woman, like, I, and, and for me, it's fucking insane because half the time it's, it's okay and the other half it's not. So I have no idea when someone's going to, you know, discriminate against me because it's total surprise. Because as we've talked about, it's a bag of surprises with me. Because the, people... the surprise could result in a, in a murder. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Well, I have no idea when I'm when I'm in front of somebody. I have no idea what that first impression is. I don't know if they're looking at me thinking I'm a white woman or if they're looking at me and realizing I'm a Latin woman, you know, and so but but for these men and women, like it's so hard. My best friend Heather, she has two boys. I say boys, but they're grown and they're in their 20s. Um, her her oldest boy was driving in, in Lake Los Angeles home from work. He got pulled over by a cop and the cop had with him an ICE agent. Now they did not give him any reason for pulling him over. So they searched him, they asked for his license, his registration. And when they finally realized he was born here, he heard the ICE agent look at the cop and say, yeah, he's from here, he's, he's not illegal, let him go. That's not legal in California. This is not Arizona, okay? You're not allowed to stop somebody for no reason other than they look Mexican. Right. That's insane. So we need to come to terms with the uncomfortable truth of racism in this country. And anybody who thinks that it's gone just because we don't have technical slavery anymore, although we do enslave people in a lot of ways, modern ways, but that's for another episode like anybody who doesn't see that problem is blind like and we've talked about like for example your experience running as a muslim woman you know what discrimination is mm -hmm. you know so so how can that be okay yeah i i also want to acknowledge so that i think i always make sure i acknowledge my privilege as an asian like yes i'm brown but i don't think what i've experienced is anywhere near what the black community experiences so i just want to say that as well because i think that's important we all have different elements of privilege. You mentioned this, like you're lighter. And so that's, it's, you know, that might've given you a sense of privilege, even though like you're Latina, yeah. right? So I just want to make that, make that point too, because I think, um, yeah, but I, I saw a video. I mean, I, I don't want to share this, but even in Compton, like while these, what is happening to, what's so sad is that the brutality is happening from the police. Um, like, it, it's just like, it's just like really like we're, pro we're protesting this and you're, you're having tear gas and you're assaulting us and having your batons. Like, what are we, some of these, honestly, some of these videos have made me think that we're in the civil rights movement, like we're in the 50s and 60s. You know, like when, I'm like, are we in 2020? Like what, and like, I, I what really cl close to home, because like my district is kind of like my family, right? Like I'm running now, I've gotten to know the people here. 
so sad. Like we had a Compton Peace March in Compton and like a day or two later, um, I saw this video and this lady took a video of like, you know, uh, this cop, literally the guy, the black, it was a black man and the guy was on the ground and said like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm on the ground, I'm on the ground, his hands are up. And the, like, the, the cop was kneeing him and kneeing him and kneeing him. And like, I'm like, what is the point of this? Like, you know, it's just, it reminded me almost of what happened to like, you know, Rodney King and back then. And I'm like, well, we're in 2020. That's the difference. Like we, we think we'd advance, but the reason we have an analyst is because of these superficial band-aids, right? What happens if no one took a video of this incident? You don't think that's happening where it's unvideotaped? Honestly, and then the sheriff's department, I know the, the mayor, like at least she called a press conference. So that's good. She put it brought to light. But honestly, the sheriff's department is investigating this. Yep. So what's going to happen to the police officer who's being investigated by his own department when the police union has so much power and influence? Honestly, he should be getting fired, but statistics have shown not much is going to happen, maybe a slap on the wrist, right? And so I think that's why we need these structural reforms, these independent, objective investigations where the police is not involved. Get this police money out of politics, right? Make sure um, the DA, like you know, that one, because you know, with Jackie Lacey, like not, you know, like everything is happening. Like this is why we don't have fair um, prosecutions and fair, uh, you know, charges against these officers. And honestly, it, it is like a consequence. Like these police officers are like are like kids, right? If there's nothing's going to happen, they're probably going to keep doing it again. You know. They're not being stripped of their license. They're not losing their job. So what incentive do they have to stop? And like, I'm sorry, we can't just say that this is just a, oh, it's bias training and they'll, they're just, you know, a few bad apples or, you know, they'll learn. No, no, there's no consequence. And if you have someone with a gun without consequence, we are in a messed up system. Like, yeah. you know. And, so. and you know, it, the thing is right now, uh, the attention is, is focused on, on black lives, which is absolutely right. the right thing. Um, but I remember you know, a couple of years ago when the Muslim ban happened, right. I was actually, I should actually probably post pictures of this on my Twitter because it was an amazing gathering. I was actually at the international wing of wow. the SFO airport when it got shut down because there were so many of us there protesting. Wow. Yeah. So, and it was amazing, you know? So I, you know, there's such a hate for the other. Mm. whether it's our black brothers and sisters whether it's immigrants whether it's muslims whether it's women like you, and, and you know i have no uh no qualms with what i know the future holds for me i'm already prepared for being called a communist a socialist you know right. because i i was born in cuba so therefore i must be a communist according to them right, right? so and, and i mean this is just ridiculous but i think that another part of it is the fact that there's this illusion of safety for white people and that they think that it may be happening to us, but it's never going to happen to them. So if you guys think that, if you guys think that, let me show you this. He's bleeding from his ear. Now this video went viral. It's gone around. Wow. That man is in his seventies. Wow. And he did walking. Just yeah, walk. he just walked up to them and they pushed him so hard that when he fell, you could it's hear his head injury. crack and then his ears started bleeding. That's an internal brain injury. That's an internal injury for this yeah. out of ear. That is an internal brain injury. So let me ask you, what do you guys think is going to happen 
in a few weeks when August rolls around and all of the COVID protections are gone and people can't pay their rent and people can't pay their mortgage right, and right. evictions and foreclosures right, right. start because do you know who they send to evict you? The cops. That's who they send. So when you have, and look, I do think it's preposterous to say that every police officer is a bad person. I don't think that's realistic, okay? Just like you can't say that every single person of a group is bad because some of them are bad. I believe that there are some people who genuinely joined the police force to help their community and because they wanted to serve, right? But what we are seeing is that that is not the majority. And the reason for that is that there is a systemic problem that needs to be taken out from the root. There is an issue with the way that cops are trained. There is an issue with the mentality that's, that's given to them. There is an issue with how lax we are letting people into the police force. Right. This is supposed to be the creme of the creme, right? They're supposed to be the people that are going to protect us and take care of us. And it should not be this easy to get into being a police officer. You should have be somebody who has, first of all, I'm sorry, and, and I love the military, and I have fucking military friends that I fight for all the time because the VA is awful and doesn't get all the resources that they need to help them. My friend John, he's an Air Force vet. He's needed knee, hip, and shoulder surgery for almost 10 years, and they've only given him one of those. And also, Annalise, a quarter of the homeless in California are, are veterans. Exactly. Exactly. But my personal feeling is you probably shouldn't be a cop if you were in the military. Mm -hmm. And my reasoning behind that is because those are two very different things. When you're in the military, you are going out there prepared to kill, to defend your fellow, you know, troops and your country. You are trained to be a killer because that's what troops are. Okay. And we need to understand the trauma that that brings when you have a person kill another person and the fact that we don't give them the care that they need when they come home mm-hmm. is disgraceful because they, there's a reason they have PTSD right. because right. nobody can, most people can't be okay with just murdering people and walking away, even if they had to, even if they had to, it's a traumatic experience, right? So you're taking people who have been trained to do nothing but take orders and shoot and you're placing them into a position that's supposed to serve and protect. It's two completely different jobs. There's nothing wrong with being in the military, but you should not go be a cop if you were in the military because you already have that trained mentality of, I have to be prepared at all times because there may be a threat and I have to be ready to kill. And I have like, that's not what we need. That's not what we need. That's not what we need. We need cops to be the most patient, the most empathetic and the most calm people that we can possibly find because these need to be people that can not only control their own emotions and feelings, but that can positively control a situation instead of escalating it. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I agree. I, but I also think it goes beyond training um, because when I think about training, it means we're going to have to invest more money in the police. So I think like looking a little deeper, I think we need to look at how much our budgets are funding the police and criminal justice. A lot of times it's more than half of our budget. Um, I know at the state, um, um, it's it's a great, great portion of our budget. At the city level, it's definitely more than half. And some cities, 
I heard it's like 80% with all the money they get. It's crazy, right? So I do think we need to divest our funds. I agree. Some of the things you mentioned, like social services, mental health services for veterans, uh, but not, you know, just for the community, for, our, you know, we need to put our money into schools. Because for me as a teacher, the school to prison pipeline, yeah. um, I'm really uh, supportive of the Students Deserve Movement, which is like, um, you know, Minneapolis is getting its cops out of the schools. Let's do the same in Los Angeles. We don't need cops for students to learn. Yeah, in schools. And my students, I remember, were wanted. Like, and I remember like just resisting this as much as I can. Um, and I, I sometimes I, I felt so ashamed having to say, oh, it's random students. And these are like not even, by the way, these were random wanting situations. It was like, oh, we're going to pick three students to want today. And how dehumanizing is that? Like, oh, I'm going to want, like, that is. Ooh, you, you look suspicious. Right, you look, so I would try to say, let me get wanted with them. They wouldn't let me because I couldn't leave my classroom. But I'm like, I was so against that. And it's just, we try to police our kids and expect them to grow up believing in themselves, expecting to grow up feeling good about themselves with, in addition to all the systemic oppression from, that comes from being an immigrant and a black boy or black girl. And so I just, I think we need to look at getting our, our, the role of our police, right? Yeah. When people talk about the defund police movement, it does not mean that we have no police. I want to also make that clear because I don't yeah. want to misuse throwing words because what it means is that we are going to divest our funds away from the police because we need more funding in home in, uh, for affordable homes and social services, mental health services, healthcare, right? Yeah. And in the end, if we have those things taken care of, you know, we would have a more stable community. We would have people getting good jobs. We would have black and brown businesses being invested in. And honestly, the police will, won't, we would need all this police, first of all, because our communities will be thriving. So, and our kids will be, you know, have, going to good schools. And, um, and, and uh, yeah, this also just to end with this, I mean, I, I watched a documentary, Netflix is having this, you know, backlash. I don't know if you saw it. They have, like, yeah, backlash. I did. It's actually really cool. Yeah. So I didn't watch all of this, but I remember they were talking about when the gangs uh, started and it was like out of the black power movement because that movement didn't get what they deserved. So if we look at why so-called like movements that are called violent or like gangs, which have a negative connotation that form, they actually form because they came from, they came from not being given what they wanted, right? Which is understandable. People want their human rights and, and why shouldn't they? They want their healthcare. They want good schools. And of course, if you don't, you're going to have people getting angry. And yes, they might be doing negative things. So I don't like, okay, can I be honest? I'm, I don't like when people talk about police shootings and, and the same realm as black on black crimes. I don't like that or as gangs. To me, those are two completely different systems and stories of America. And right? black on black crime does not justify in any way black Americans being killed by police. No, those are two completely different things. Right. And, I'm so, and, and there's white on white crime and Latin on Latin crime. Like, what are we talking? So, yeah, you know, and, and I think one of the one of the biggest things about this is the fact that you're absolutely right. We've been over funding police departments. So this isn't about having no rules, no laws, no one to call if someone's breaking into your home. We're not right. saying that. Right. What right. we're saying is we need to completely change the way that they're trained who gets hired, and what the funding goes to. For example, why am I paying for a police officer to set up a speed trap and sit there for eight hours doing nothing, waiting to give somebody a ticket for going five miles over the speed limit? Why am I paying for that? That is a complete waste mm -hmm. of resources. 
Why am I paying for a police officer's trial when he assaults somebody and he has to go to court? Why am I paying for that? Mm-hmm. Why am I paying for a policeman's pension even after he's been convicted of a crime? So our teachers are having to bring their own supplies to school. I had Aubrey Roadhouse, uh, a teacher on my show a few weeks ago, and she ha- she's had to do it, you right. know? We have no affordable housing. Mm-hmm. We have so many homeless citizens. And then you have Palmdale City Council and every other city council, okay, uh, working with contractors that tell them that it costs 10 times more than it does to build a home for a person it's because they're greedy and they want the money. And that's what you were talking about earlier about right. special interests. So our hard-worked tax dollars are being blown in the wind they're going to things that we don't actually need we don't need a cop setting up a speed trap and sitting on his ass for eight hours doing nothing waiting to fuck us we don't need that that's not an essential service you know what we need more social workers we need more resources for children with disabilities i have a severely autistic sister she needs resources right we need to have cops actually respond to matters that they're actually supposed to handle and start having social workers, therapists, psychologists, and people that are actually professionals handle the other stuff that right. cops have been dealing with for far too long. And I just want to add one thing I forgot to add. So from the state level, we have built more prisons than we have like schools and colleges. And that really, really bothers me. And while we passed the bill, I, I believe last year in the last cycle to end private prisons, which I think is really great, we need to, um, we need to just think about like why what are we really funding like what are we putting our money into right in, into incarceration um or in, into punishment or into rehab like you said ptsd rehabilitation so i think that from the state level we need to really look at what we're building like what infrastructure are we building in the state are we building a state like a california where all people can learn and get educated and like you know become you know you know become informed are we creating a state where our priorities are punishing people right locking yeah. them up and and not giving them the services they need not giving my veterans what they not especially i have a son as well who's autistic and he goes to public school and i had to fight tooth and nail and at, at the end of the day the aid they, the district had to get you know what was from the private industry because they didn't have pub, someone who was public uh, trained in their district and they get a lot of money from the state so something is is not going right with our schools and we're just prioritizing locking people up and that's just a culture we have and we have to completely change that. Yeah. And and that's what happens when you have a for-profit prison system and a for-profit healthcare system. Mm -hmm. I mean, this country has gone completely off the rails. The countries that, that we aspire to be so much like Sweden and Finland and this and that, dude, they're, they have a capitalist economy like we do, but they have strong social programs. They have universal health care. Yeah. They have all these things. So we are so far behind, uh, you know, the advanced world that that's why other countries are looking at us like a third world country. Analysts, you know what I found out? I, I, I was doing some reading on those countries. You know, they're also the happiest countries. Have you noticed? Even yes. Though- and they're taxed more, but it's like they're taxed, dude. I think I don't. I can't remember if it's Finland or Sweden, but they have like a sixty-something percent tax rate. But people are, are so happy. happy. And you know because what? Because they have universal childcare, they have free education. They, they work have less. Health. They work less. They're yeah, and they, they work less. Their schools have better results. Even with all. Okay, this is another thing important to do that's related to now. 
surprisingly enough, I found a few of these countries, the police don't carry guns. I'm just going to say it. Like in the UK. And I, like, and I was like, is there a correlation right there between these social safety nets, which is what we're trying to do, make sure these services are met, and between having a militarized police, right? We are just going in a circular problem here. Why don't we fix the root of the problem? And that will fix the need to have police everywhere and, and all this military equipment. This is not needed. It's actually making things worse. It's putting more people in yeah. jail. I feel like in America, we create a circular problem. It's not yeah. really a solution-based issue in our legislation, right? Yeah. And so I found that was really interesting. So I would think, I don't know, with Sweden or Norway, they had like, you know, very few like issue, like, you know, very, very few, um, well, they didn't have police with guns. And then, and the rationale was like, yeah, because like there are these social safeties where people are thriving. And so crime is actually not high, you know? So I just wanted to, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it's just crazy. And again, guys, if you haven't yet subscribed, we have these conversations every week and it's freaking yeah. great because we need to start talking about these things. Right. right. Um, so really brief, briefly, we're kind of wrapping up here. So um, what will be your first, let's say your top three priorities. Let's say you get elected what will be the first three things that you're going to work on like right away you're like these are my things that i am working on right now yeah so campaign finance reform number one um number two i'm going to uh fight for housing um so just making sure we create truly affordable housing we have enough public housing units california hasn't built public housing i think since the 50s um just making sure everyone's housed in any way possible whether we get them in vacant places like but everyone off the streets right so they have a home over their heads um, and then, and then, then it's like I think healthcare, healthcare is going to be the th third one because I think I think these are the three like I mean yeah it's like house making sure everyone's healthy, making sure everyone has a roof over their head. Let's start there, right? And then you're getting money out of politics, and then I want to also tackle just right under that definitely um, making sure we get a green new deal, making sure we work on our schools, you know. But those are those are my priorities. In that. Let me ask you as far as health. So for example, for me, something I've experienced, which mm -hmm. I think is hilarious is, you know, I've talked about, you know, when I get elected to city council, one of the things that I want to do is pressure Governor Newsom to pass a Medicare for all system in California. Mm -hmm. I strongly believe that California needs to lead the way. And we can do that here. We can absolutely do that here and other states will follow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one of the funniest things I've come across is from Democratic delegates who consider themselves Dem Party loyalists, which is already a red flag, right? Because if your loyalty is to a party and not to the people or to the policies that you believe, 100%. 100%. I'm calling everything into, about you into question because there's a problem, right? Yeah. And these people, you know, I have all these goals of things that I want to accomplish in city council. Like I want to start working with contractors that aren't greedy and that will actually give us a fair price. Like I want to find out what Habitat for Humanity does. Like I want to find out what all these organizations that are actually interested in housing people do and how much it costs them to build a house versus the ridiculous numbers that these contractors are giving. I want to, you know, institute a plan where we do a little in-town thing where we make masks for every household in Palmdale and send it to them. And then after the initial mask, we can sell them at cost. Mm -hmm. Like, but the first set is free for everybody because we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know? And I wanna use public pressure to pressure Newsom on, on the Medicare for all thing. And the funny thing that I keep coming across with these democratic delegates is they say, well, you can't do that. You can't do that at a city level. That's not true. Okay, 
what our representatives have been telling us is a lie because they want inaction because they don't want to ruffle any feathers. They don't want to upset their contractor, but well, they'll also stop getting their money to get reelected. Exactly. You know, that, exactly. That, that, that nice dough to get reelected. They don't want to stop getting that money. Exactly. So don't tell me what I can and can't do. The city council has a lot of power over the city and they can absolutely push to do things like bring jobs to, to the city to, to, you know, we need a four year college up here because the closest one is like an hour away. Oh, that's you right, know? yeah. Yeah, we need a four-year college up here. We need to actually expand our VA and actually give our vets resources instead of just talking about it. Because where is all this defense money going to? It's not going to our troops, and it's certainly not going to the VA. It's going to defense contractors like Boeing. Okay, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And and like you can't you can't do anything about healthcare if you're in city council. Yes, I can. I can grab myself and a bunch of other people that believe that this is the right thing to do and publicly pressure Newsom until he has to do something about it. Like enough. I'm tired of being told there's nothing we can do. Well, Emily, yes, there think, is. Stop lying to people. There is. And I, I don't know about the Palmdale City Charter, but I know Seattle City Council, I don't know if you've heard about this, passed healthcare for all at the city level as an emergency. So I, I want to even challenge Wow. Health- I had not heard that. That's amazing. Okay, so look into that because I do think, I think it does depend on the city charter, but I do think, I mean, it is possible to even do this at the city level. Wow. Um, yeah. So Seattle did it. Seattle did it. And I mean, and I mean, that's the excuse we're always hearing is, oh, you can't do that. You have no idea, Fatima, how many times I've been told you can't do that. And then I look into it and it turns out I can absolutely do it. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm sure you can do it in Palmdale too. Yeah. I will look into that. Thank you. Yeah. Because it's, I'm tired enough. Why do we have people in leadership who are waiting for somebody else to lead them? If you want to be in charge. You know why, Elise? Because they're sheep to the corporate interest. They're not leaders. They're sheep. Exactly. That's what they're, they're not leaders. I don't consider exactly. them leaders. Exactly. They're puppets of their special interests. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's so clear. The more that I'm told that I can't do something, the more I'm going to want to do it. The more I want to do it. I'm like, okay, so I guess what you're saying is I should focus even harder on this. That's Good job. Saying, That's right? the attitude. Yeah. I got to take it in stride because it's so pathetic. Right. And look, Here's the bottom line. Here's why I have no problem saying this. If I get elected into city council, I'm going to have to work with these people. But guess what? I'm not there to be liked. I'm not there to be hated. I'm there to do my job and represent people. The mayor of Palmdale, Mayor Hoffbauer, seriously went on Twitter and Instagram talking about how proud he was that everybody got together and they're all asking for an investigation into Robert Fuller's death. Mm. Yeah. After you tried to push the narrative that it was a suicide with zero evidence and you had such aggressive pushback from the city that you finally had to go, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Like, what are you doing? We need leadership. We need leadership, not weak, corrupt inaction. Right. No, I agree with you. So anyway, all right. Well, uh, is there anything else that you want to say or that you want to share before we go, Fatima? Anything that yeah. you want to say to everyone watching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just say just check out my website, um, FatimaForAssembly.com, F-O-R. Uh, follow me on Twitter. It's Fatima for the number assembly. And then on Facebook, it's Fatima for the word for assembly, Facebook and Instagram. And just like, yeah, like I'm a very accessible candidate. So if you have any questions, um, just feel free to message me. 
And um, yeah, like ho hopefully, um, you know, you could get progressive candidates like me and Annalise elected because it's, it is very important. And the tides are against us. But the thing is, if we have regular people behind us, um, that is way more powerful than money, right? Um, so just make sure that you join our movements and you um, help us get elected. And it's not for us, but it's for you, right? It's about this, this movement for the people. So, yeah. Yeah, and when I post this video, as always, I'll put all of my contact information and then I'll also put all the links for all of Fatima's, her mm -hmm. website, her social media, all that stuff so that you guys can follow her. It is my absolute honor to endorse you. You're awesome. Oh, um, I, 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 you know, if I lived in your district, I would totally vote for you. Um, and I hope that everybody does because it's, it's time, right? right? It's time to, first of all, I would be ecstatic to see a Muslim woman, you know, both the Muslim and the woman part. There's never been a Muslim in Sacramento. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. There you go. We need diversity, guys. And it's not, diversity is not about pushing one group out to make room for all the other groups. Yeah. Diversity is about inclusion of everybody, of everybody. And we need candidates like this. And um, I wanted to mention one last thing. Um, yeah. um, we are doing our phone bank. So I'll give you those links too. So if you guys want to sign up, um, they're a lot of fun. Um, we do it all as a virtual hangout. So join those. Three. That's the last thing I wanted to mention. Okay, yeah. perfect. All right, guys. This was our show for this week with Fatima. She is again running for uh, California Assembly District 64. Vote, vote, vote. Okay. Uh, I will go ahead and post all her info for you guys to follow her. Please volunteer, donate. We need to support progressive candidates up and down the ballot. And uh, we can definitely go ahead and give her all the support that she needs because she's actually going to fight for us. So thank you so much. We'll see you guys again next Sunday, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Hopefully the live stream will work. I'm going to be reaching out to Zoom about that. <laughs> be like, hey, guys, what's up with that? <laughs> I was in the middle of a thing. Uh, yeah, so we'll see you guys next week. Next week, we're going to be talking with Akila Jordan. She was actually at the protest in L.A. that we went to, and her cousin was murdered by police. Wow. So she will be with us next Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we'll be talking with her about her cousin's murder, as well as her experience as a Black woman in America. Wow. Uh, so Fatima, again, thank you so much for being here. I wish you all the best, thank and you. we will post this, videos up, this video up to YouTube, and I'll send it to you when it's ready, too, so you can share it. That sounds good. I'll share it. Fine. Thank you so much for this opportunity. <laughs> you all got right. it. Thank, thank you. Thanks, guys. See you next week. <laughs>